Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode, my guest talks about the alignment between marketing and sales. There's lots of talk about how we must align these two things, but no one knows how. Well, my guest talks about this in his book, Create Togetherness, how to align sales and marketing for sales success. My next guest says in his LinkedIn profile, I am a marketer with the soul of a sales guy, musically inclined engineer and data-driven storyteller. He is the award-winning author of Create Togetherness. So welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Jeff Davis. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Jeff Davis. Hey, Janice. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure uh, because I've been following you for so long. So finally, almost <laughs> getting hold of you, nearly getting hold of you. We'll have to do it virtually. Yeah. <laughs> you may not want yeah. to do it face-to-face after this session. Who knows? <laughs> No, we'll, we'll find some time to get together. We'll find some time to get together in person. So the first, uh, I want to ask you about to um, create togetherness, your yes. book, and the unique perspective that you have in th- why the sales and the marketing must be aligned. A lot of people talk about this, but I think that you have got a perspective where this is absolutely critical in order to progress. So tell us more about that and why you wrote the book about it. Yeah, so you're absolutely correct. So at this point in in the game, it's always been necessary, but I think more, more so than anything because of digital disruption and the fact that today's modern buyer has access to nearly unlimited information, people, resources, it is a must. And so for me, you know, the reason that I wrote this, this guy right here, which I keep very close to me, right? <laughs> the reason I, that I wrote this guy was I started my career in sales. I, at some point, transitioned to marketing really because I felt that marketing didn't completely understand what we salespeople on the ground, but those carrying the bag needed. And when I got to marketing, I realized that it wasn't just them in their ivory tower sending out strategies and justifying, you know, what, what, why they got, you know, such a high salary. It really, because most of them uh, fundamentally didn't really understand and connect with what we needed as salespeople. So I wrote this book as a strategic roadmap for sales leaders, marketing leaders, CEOs, and B2B companies to say, how do we actually make this happen for real? Uh, because it is not a turn on sort of thing. Um, it's a relationship that, to be honest with you, has been really dysfunctional for a really long time for a lot of different reasons. And so to unpack that takes time. And so what I hope Create Togetherness will, will, will serve as is a roadmap, a blueprint for these leaders to sit in the same room and say, how do we change this dynamic? And how do we really build what I like to call a, a high performing revenue engine? I think it's interesting that we're now seeing the title of chief revenue officer, that the idea is to bring those two things together. But it's just so interesting why so many companies, you say most companies are still selling in an analog way. Why is that? 
Well, the shift is hard, right? So if you are a sales leader that's been successful for many years, you have your set of, of tools that you use that you know to be true and, and know to be successful. The problem we're having is that we have an overabundance now of sales tech, right? So marketing tech has had their, their, their landscape for quite some time. They have all these tools, you know, Marketo, Eloqua. Everybody knows those, right, as a marketer, right? Sales tech is relatively new in comparison, but it's really like has exploded over the last like five plus years. So there's all these new tools, which to, to be honest with you is confusing. And so I think, you know, many times when you get to a situation where you need to change and change is hard, you just say like, we're not going to change. Uh, but the reality of things is you have to, but you have to do so in a way that doesn't disrupt and get in the way of your salespeople. So, you know, just doing email or just cold calling alone just doesn't work, right? Like we have texts, we have, you know, we're, we have so many different channels of communication. Sales leaders that are getting it right understand that you have to use all of them but in a thoughtful way. So it's about training and coaching your salespeople of how to create a cadence that uses email, that uses phone, that uses text, that uses social media in a way that engages in a unified conversation with your prospects. So, you know, people like to say like, it's like, oh my God, sales has changed. Fundamentally sales is the same. It's just the, the tools that we use and the way that we go about it has shifted. That's all. It's interesting that um, we've now got the sales operation department mm -hmm. in order to manage all of the complexity of, of the sales stack. And yeah. I often go into companies and there's so much that they have purchased that they're not utilizing. And often what I need to do is strip out, actually stop people using the 10% of a, a tool and then find a way can we use, can we do what we need to do without using this tool? And if we can, why have we purchased it? And what is the thing that's going to simplify rather than complicate the process? Because, you know, many salespeople, they say, I've got enough to do without all of these tools getting in my way. So I think you're absolutely right. It's just the, the whole internal and external landscape has become more complicated. But when we go back to the fundamentally what we're doing, it's all about the customer and the relationship with the customer. And if it's actually not enhancing that, it's getting yeah. in the way. I don't know what you think. I, I, I agree with Ruth, you 200%. And so when you add the complexity of marketing on top of that, and so a lot of times what I would talk to companies is like you have redundant tools that sales has, a, has a, a tool and marketing has a tool for the same thing, but they're not using the same data. And so you get into like, first of all, we got to get rid of the redundancies. And then to your point, you know, are you actually even using the tool? Uh, because one of the things we also talk about is in order to really start this this uh, alignment between the two departments, I also have to align your data and synchronize your data, right? And a lot of that data is being fed out of these tools. So to your point, I agree. We've got to sit down and say like, are we using these tools? Do we need all of them? Because my number one thing as, a, as you know, if I were a sales leader in an organization, I want tools that are going to be additive to my salesperson's workflow, not cause them to get out of it. Because when you're in your flow, and I remember this from when I was in sales, when you're in your flow, you're productive, you're getting things done. When you start throwing random things at me that, that pull me out of that flow, you actually are decreasing my productivity as a salesperson, you're not increasing it. But we're thinking I'm adding another tool that's giving more information, and that's not what's happening. We're actually seeing salespeople's time being decreased, focused on selling, and being diverted to you know operational things or CRM or I gotta go to this tool. So make it make your salespeople more productive, not just do more stuff.
right? And so I would agree with you. There's, we need to audit. We need to make sure that we're actually leveraging these tools. And if not, pull them from the stack. Yeah. So talking about um, sales, what do you think about B2B sales if it's shifted enough to be buyer and customer centric? We've made significant progress, but we have um, we have we have a lot of room to to improve. And I, I think you know, and I forgot who who said it. I was looking at LinkedIn a while ago, and they were like, you know, sales has really become human to human. I always kind of use my my benchmark as what is B 2 C doing because I, I kind of look at them as our cousins that are a little older than us, right? Because they're always really forward thinking, and 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 we sort typically are five to ten years probably behind them, and I'm fine with that, right? But what what it what it's an indicator of is that we have to become more personalized. We have to really look at our buyers as individuals, and B 2 C has historically done that really really well. So we've got to you know really start to think like not just like a block, this is a company, but we're selling to individuals within the organization. And it's no different than the experiences you have outside of work with Amazon, with Google, with Zappos. You start to expect that when you're in a working context. So this idea of like people come to work and they become robots or automatons or whatever is it still completely blows my mind, but we, we got to sell the humans. So yeah, we, we got to shift. We got room to work. We got room to do and and you're I think you're absolutely right that uh, B two C is uh, a few years ahead of of B two C. I mean, they B two C is beginning to to close the gap. But the yep. beauty is, you have you know you have a track, you have something you can follow, totally. you've got data you can use, and yeah. it seems a shame that B two B sees themselves as maybe better, separate, more refined, that we don't need to bother with B2C. But actually, there's a there's a lot of information. There's a lot to be learned. Yeah. So I really love what you're saying about that. And, and I think if anything, you know, and there are nuances and differences between B2C and B2B, and there will be. But I think if anything, the one, if the one lesson we learned nothing else from B2C is how to leverage data, because they do it so well. And historically, B2B, we have not really optimize the use of our data. We have a lot of data. We have a lot of touch points, but we're not really doing anything with it and capitalizing on it. So if I would tell sales leaders, nothing else is if you can get a hold of your data and really turn that into business intelligence and insights, you are going to put yourself far in ahead of your competition because you'll be able to actually have actionable things that your salespeople can do and learn that you know will be insightful for you changing your conversations and the way you interact with your buyers. And B2C is also really good at managing uh, the, the complex environment of B2C. You know, yes. they're all uniquely individual. They're coming from, from different um, uh, sources. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's a multi-fabric that B2C are absolutely used to, whereas uh, right. B2B, with their linear cells funnel process that they want to pull everyone down because traditionally this is what we're all taught yeah. they find it really hard to break out of that really strict linear process so what do you sell say to organizations to help them to think of you know to align what they have traditionally as a, a linear sales process with actually what buyers are doing. They're coming in from all different sources. How do you marry up or help organizations to capitalize on the data that will come from all the variety of um, sources? 
Yeah. So in my work, I focus, you know, specifically talking to the sales leader about the fact that your chance to interact with buyers is closing, right? And it stereotypically is being pushed to do the very end of the, the, the buying journey, you know, and depending on what information you look at, 75%, 90%, whatever the number is, like it's getting smaller and salespeople feel it, right? I'm trying to reach out to people early in their, in their buying journey. They don't want to talk to me because guess what? They're reading online, they're doing certs, that sort of thing. So for you as a sales leader, your job is to get your salespeople in the right conversations with the right people, right? At the end of the day, that is your job. So in order to do that, you cannot just rely on your solo sales function. You have got to partner with marketing because guess who's interacting with them? The, the rest of that 80, 75, whatever the number is, up front, they're doing search. And you know, I think that Forrester or Gardner, one of the one of the ones came out with like, you know, projected, I think 2025, like 80 plus percent of our uh, interactions will be via digital channels, right? So there's this whole you know, space in the, the sales journey where they're not coming to a company, they're not coming to a salesperson. And if you're not in those conversations, you're not going to make a short list of companies you're considering. So if you're, as a sales leader, not partnering with marketing, that's strike number one, because you have to. And then in doing so, you need to make sure that your marketing department is equipped to understand who you need to talk to. And you guys are aligned and they're going out into the marketplace and trying to get awareness and create, you know, interest with those particular target accounts, those particular customer personas. That's why this marriage between sales and marketing is so important. And so when, you know, we can no longer say like the leads that I'm getting from marketing are terrible or the, the leads that we're getting are not converting. Well, that's partly your fault because if you're not asking for a specific remit of this is who I need to talk to then you know, we haven't even really started a real conversation. So that's why we really got to look more broadly at the entire journey. And we can't just say the top of funnel is marketing's responsibility because that's not true anymore. We're starting to converge. Sales is going up funnel, marketing is going down funnel. You know, One great example for marketing, they can't just hand over a lead and say, we're done. Well, once we close that deal, I need you to follow up with them to make sure you know they renew, that they become an advocate. How do we keep them engaged? How do we make sure they're successful? So there's this whole you know convergence of us working together throughout the funnel that that needs to happen across the board. So are you still are you an advocate for still having the funnel then? I mean, I don't necessarily think we need to throw the funnel out of the window. I think it need. I think we need to re recognize to your point. It's not linear anymore. You need to. You know, it's almost kind of like some people use the flywheel metaphor. But you need to, as a sales and marketing team, need to be sitting at the center and realize what is happening around you and and whoever is the most equipped or most uh, appropriate for that interaction. You need to be able to jump in, right? Because the the buyer doesn't care if it's coming from marketing, sales, customers. They don't care. They just want the information, and you can't work in that kind of agile way if you don't understand the buyer's journey. And so what I talk to and I talk about in the book is mapping your sales process to the buyer's journey instead of just having, to your point, a linear sales process that we have to check the box and get through and then we did this and then da-da-da. Now, you know, as, a, as an old school salesperson, there are fundamentals that you need to teach your sellers about the sales process in general, right? But beyond that, we need to be mapping to the buyer's journey and how many phases I talk about in the book, I have my six, uh, six phases of the modern sales cycle. And within those, what I encourage sales and marketing leaders to do is to sit down, understand the mindset of the buyer and their objective that they need to do to get to the next one. And then focus your interactions, content from marketing, sales interactions to get them the confidence they need to move to the next phase. And with that, you have agility to be like, okay, great. Then phase, you know, the exploration phase, maybe it's marketing, sending them assessment. 
and then sales following up with whatever that looks like. But if I have four or five or six different options, I can tailor it and personalize it to that individual buyer. And then you know kind of your landscape of resources. And it also helps you identify gaps of like, you know, we don't have anything for here from sales or marketing. Let's build something from that. So I think that's, you know, the, your ability to be the agile in your sales approach is that that's the way to think about it. Excellent. So what tried and tested strategy would you offer listeners to help them to scale their sales? Yeah, so I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we know the answer is probably going to be aligning with marketing, right? Um, you know, there's a couple of things, you know, and I, and I, and I sometimes get those hardcore sales leaders to like, you just need to make more calls, you just need to send more emails. And the reality thing is, is like, that is not the most efficient use of your salespeople's time. I go back to this idea of productivity. You know, back in the day, it was like more is more, right? Like you just make more, and it was a numbers game. That doesn't work anymore, right? Like you'll get marginal increases. And so at the end of the day, when you look at marketing, their ability to reach, like reach and scale is a marketing thing. That's a fundamental core to marketing, right? And so when you partner with them in a meaningful way, you supercharge your salespeople's ability to get into those conversations. And in addition to that, if it's done correctly and you have a strong marketing team, they can create assets and resources that literally sell 24-7, right? If your website is really strong, you have really strong copy, you have really good on-demand resources, you know, a sales leader may get up, or I'm sorry, a, a buyer may get up at four in the morning and want to read about your, your content or whatever to learn about you. I don't know any salespeople that are on the phones at, well, most not on the phone at 4 a.m., right? So it's important to have that content collateral to sell for you while you are sleeping. So, um, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think anybody would be, would be surprised by my response, but I think the, the most underutilized resource right now in scaling sales is partnering with marketing in a meaningful way. So where does social selling come into this? I mean, I know where, where it fits, but in terms of aligning sales and marketing and who's doing what and, and whether you feel that this is an important um, tool. I do. I, you know, I think it's another channel, right? Like I look at, you know, I'm a big omni-channel guy and I'm, you know, I'm, we're slowly starting to talk to sales leaders about this. You know, social selling is a way to communicate and have a conversations with, with salespeople. Where, where I do see a miss sometimes is, you know, sales leaders will just tell their, their, their salespeople, it's like, get on social. Well, that's not really why you hire them, right? And a lot of times, you know, for salespeople, their strength sometimes is not in written communication, not always. Um, and so I think partnering with marketing is about helping them identify what channels do we need to be on? Do we need to be on LinkedIn? Do we need to be on Instagram? Do we need to be on Twitter? And that's based on the profile of our target customers. What type of content, you know, I don't want my salespeople researching what articles or resources. That is a marketing thing, right? And so I'm going to say marketing, give me a short list of, you know, articles, journals, where are our people looking for information so that my salespeople can pull that information through and then add commentary on top of that. Hey, we saw this. This is a great article about XYZ, right? And so it's that partnership that makes salespeople's time worth it, not just saying post some stuff on LinkedIn and see how it goes or retweet the thing that marketing just sent, right? It's got to be personalized. So again, that's a, that's an example where I feel, you know, as a sales leader, I would say, look, Give, give us a foundation of what you want us to do. Give us some parameters, you know, especially around video. Uh, I talked to Vidyard on the, on the podcast one time and talking about marketing giving frameworks to say like, here's how you can set up your video. And then a salesperson can pull it through and make it real for them. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and talk about the environment of, of sales and the um, diversity 
within sales. And really, you know, we're, we're both black people, we're different sides of the ponds, but we've got unique experiences. And, you know, the, it has, the stats haven't changed in many years where, you know, there's only 70, 17% of female sales leaders, 30%, I mean, the figures changed not um, enormously, but you know, only kind of 30, 30 to 40% of diversity within the sales environment. Now we're in a global economy, doesn't matter really what business you're in, and especially online, we're in a global economy. And that means not everybody looks exactly the same, but actually in the sales environment, there are many um, sales teams that look very similar. Yeah. So what do you say about diversity in sales? Do you feel that it has progressed? Do you have a personal experience or, you know, can you talk to that subject? Yeah, I mean, I think the numbers that you, you share really tell a story, right? Like, I, I, it's pretty objective that we've made marginal marginal improvements. I, I think that there has been a, a, a a broader conversation about it. And, and, and I hope that the output of that will be making significant progress. I think for me, I have a little bit more of an expansive view when we talk about diversity and that I just don't talk about, I don't think about it in a way of just ethnic diversity, but you know, gender diversity, I think uh, background as far as educational diversity, uh, ageism is also a thing. I think that when you look at your target audience, if you, you know, have only, and this is not to, you know, to, to say that you know having young people as salespeople is a bad thing, right? But if you have all 20-somethings, right, they have a very different experience if all of your buyers are in their you know mid-50s to 60s, right? And so when I think about diversity, I want a team that brings diverse perspectives because you may look at something or connect with something or be able to empathize with somebody in a different way. And so that's when I say diversity. I'm saying making sure that you holistically can think in a way that connects with your target buyer. And so I think that we have some room, some room across the board to, to do better. Uh, and you know, and I, I, I would assume that as your, uh, buying, your buyers become more diverse, they'll, they'll start to really kind of push back and, and really demand it. You know, one example I had, I was working with a company, it's a female leader, uh, mostly female led organization. And we were just catching up and it was kind of a side conversation. And she's like, you know, and I had this vendor come in and they sent me all like men. She said the whole panel was men. She goes, they clearly knew I was a you know, female leader. I have a female-led company. And you mean to tell me you couldn't send, send one representative that was female? And she, and she actually told them, she goes, you have missed the mark in the fact that like, I, you know, being a female leader and, and being a female-led company is really important to us that you have no representation of any of your salespeople that are women. And she said, one of the reasons that we didn't do business with them because she felt like they didn't understand who I was as a customer. And that, that stayed with me because it was a part of her decision-making process. So, you know, I would imagine we'll start to see more of that, you know, whether people say it explicitly, uh, but I think as sales leaders, as, as revenue leaders, period, we need to be thoughtful of that. Yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting because many people will think it and not necessarily say it. So I hope that that company has taken note to, that this is important. And I think when you get a group that isn't diverse, it's like, it's not even on their radar. They don't think it's an issue. It's just, right. they just assume. And so it's actually often takes something like that to get them to think, hang on, this is a problem. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's know, tough. They don't it's see tough. it for themselves really. And it's tough with any homogeneous group of anybody, right? Yeah. Like, because you, a lot of you share the same experiences, you have the same perspective and you can get into a, 
uh, drinking the Kool-Aid mentality really quick and you start like self-affirmations like, yeah, this is right. And then you talk to somebody that has a different perspective and they're like, what are you? No, absolutely not. Like, did you think about this, this, this? And then you realize it to your point, you weren't doing it, you know, on purpose, but there was just, there was just, you have a blind spot. We all have blind spots. And so that's why, you know, for, even for me, I'm always talking to other, you know, you know, sales leaders like yourself, other people that are working in different areas to say like, does this resonate? Like, am I missing something? Because I have a very focused lens that I look through when we talk about this whole B2B experience, this is, you know, focused on sales and marketing alignment, but I know there's other things that I need to also check myself to make sure that I'm, I'm not missing. So uh, it's just human nature. And I think you're making an excellent point, regardless of where you are in an organization and who you are, constantly checking and not assuming, does this resonate with you, especially with your customers, but even internally, is this true? Because we yes. have so many blind spots and it's about having a different attitude. Yep. Sales traditionally is that we have all the information we know and we're going to tell you. So, you know, it is having a very different mindset about what you're doing. Yes, yeah. you're, a, you're an expert and you want to portray your expertise, but it's actually more about being a collaborator and a co-creator. And that comes from, you know, questioning even your own knowledge is this true uh, am I assuming the wrong thing what's your view and being really open and I think that's a really good attitude to go forward with and I think you bring up something that is a fundamental shift that that a lot of us in this industry are struggling with and I talk about in the book as well this this idea of information inequality and so what I talk about is that information inequality has always been a thing but it has flowed from us to the buyer and so you look at like the, the car buying industry is a perfect example when I talk about the keynotes. Back in the day, and I'm probably aging myself, but whatever. Back in the day, you, you turn 16, you buy, you go get a used car, you go to the lot. I don't know, what, what should I get? And you were kind of at, at the whim of the salesperson. And they're probably going to lead you to the, the car they're going to get the best commission on that fits probably within your budget, right? Enter consumer reports. Now you have more information. You're not coming and saying, lead me to the car. You're like, I looked at these three cars. I want to know the difference between between these three and what's best for me. So you've moved to this kind of consultative relationship, right? A lot of us haven't made that shift. Like the buyers are not coming to you asking you like, I need a CRM or I need this tool help me. They're like, I've done all my research. I wanna know why I should choose you or I have a business problem. I want you to help me understand what my options are. So the ask is different because they have been empowered with all this information. So if you're still showing up talking about you know, features and benefits and like why you should use us. They're like, great, I saw that on your website and everybody else's website, that's not enough. So that, I think a lot of people are still struggling with that because it feels very different to your point because you're now co-creating a solution and working with them to develop a relationship versus saying, let me tell you all about why, you know, company XYZ is amazing. Yeah, great very point, different. great point. Okay, so who is your hero or shero? Yeah, well, I would say my shero is my mom. Uh, you know, and I know probably people are like, oh, of course. Uh, but what I really learned from her was this idea of uh, asking why not. And so she, my mom was a, a, an educator. So she taught college and in, 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 uh, high school and a bunch of different um, stages. But she was always the one in our family to push me and say, push all of us, me and my brother, to say like, why can't you do that? Why is that not possible? And so I, I think that has always stayed with me and has really allowed me to kind of push myself and, and not, not limit or allow others to limit like what is possible for Jeff Davis. And so uh, that is kind of 
for me, like fundamental core of who I am as a person. And I, I, I get that directly from my mother. That is wonderful, isn't it? I mean, that's a wonderful gift because even if you may not feel confident in yourself in a new situation, just by hearing your mother's voice saying, you know, why not? Ah. So many of us are in a, an environment where, you know, we've been told we're not, we're not good enough. Um, and it doesn't, you know, any environment, any person, you know, and even sales leaders and CEOs and, you know, people I talk with, all, all of us seem to have this common thread that we don't feel we're enough. And actually, that's a great question to combat, you know, why not? And you've really got to answer the question. So I absolutely love that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So how can listeners get hold of you? Um, so there's a couple different different ways you can. The website is meetjeffdavis.com. So that's where kind of everything uh, exists to learn about, about myself. Uh, we also have the book, obviously, we talked about Create Togetherness, uh, which is at createtogethernessbook.com. And then for across all social media, my handle is at Meet Jeff Davis. So that's LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So those are the places to start. Really encourage those leaders that, you know, if any of the content in the conversation we've had resonates with them or they're struggling with like, how do I put the sales and marketing thing together? Uh, the book is a great resource to start that conversation. And I wrote it in a way where in my mind, as a revenue leader, you know, back in the day when we could actually fly, we're sort of slowly getting back to that. Uh, but you can read it over the flight, the majority of it, and get an idea of what, what you know, needs to be done and get some strategies that'll work for you. And then come back to the office, get the right people in the room, and then start that conversation. So not a super long read, did it that, did it that way on purpose, just to really start the, the wheels turning and for you to start thinking about how you're going to build your revenue engine for the future of B2B. Excellent. Well, thank you for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Janice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.